The Hogs are going to Omaha. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. You can actually feel Razorback Stadium shaking underneath our feet right now. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Arkansas wins a national championship. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. Oh, Ty was a warrior. The Hawks are going to Omaha. Trackouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground ball. It's more democratic. Borderline erotic. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. There is just one game being played in the SEC. They're not, they don't have two games to, to televise today. They don't have one on ESPNU and another on the Deuce or another on the SEC Network. No, there's only one game tonight that is being played in SEC baseball, and it's at Baumwalker Stadium, where I'm set up to uh, get going for the baseball broadcast, and of course, in about six hours. But uh, before that, we get it going here on halftime, and we're the first in the ballpark today, Ty. That's not bad. I don't think I beat the coaches. I'm sure I did not beat Dave Van Horn or Matt Hobbs or Clay Goodwin. I know I didn't beat Clay in here, the director of operations, because he left me some goodies. Uh, so I know he's already been in here. What kind of M&Ms he leave you? Uh, not, nothing edible. Nothing edible, just things to adorn myself with in, in red and white. Oh, okay. Uh, so pretty, uh, pretty happy about uh, some of the new duds. Nice. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it already feels like a winning day for me. I got some uh, I got some Razorback gear. And I can't say that every day. People might think I, I just have, like, everything under the sun as far as Razorback clothing is concerned. That would be the opposite. I've got about, you know, six or seven different shirts, and that's about it. So I'm glad I'm glad that they I got a little bit of a hookup today. But it is a special day. It's a special day today when Arkansas plays LSU. I think in any sport, there's that, you know, every weekend in football, it's got that event feel to it. But there's something different when it's, a, when it's an Arkansas LSU week. I think for Arkansas fans, you would buy in on that. It's different for basketball. You know, you just don't quite have that draw. This year it did. Kind of felt like it did. And it's because LSU, you know, end up, ended up having, uh, having uh, <laughs> coming in a higher-ranked team and leaving uh, with a, an overtime win, and then Arkansas gets. You didn't want it to be the big moment of the season, Ty, but the win at the PMAC was the big moment of the season We for kept basketball. joking about that, Phil, and yet yep. that was the high point of the season. It's like we kept saying the next week on the broadcast, we kept stressing back to the one simple point, this cannot be the high point of your season. And what and was it at the end of it? The high point of the season. And it's not even close. Like that, that without question, was the high point. Maybe you could point to the... Ole Miss win uh, the day that uh, that you uh, feted the 94 national championship team, but it didn't quite have the impact of the upset on the road at LSU. Anyway, my whole point is when Arkansas and LSU play on a baseball diamond, both sides are really fired up about it. We have that question about, you know, does LSU view it as a rivalry when it comes to football? Arkansas fans do, probably more so than LSU fans do. I think when it comes to baseball, I think the purple and gold buy into it just as much as the red and white do. The players buy into it as well. The networks obviously buy into it because two of these games will be televised not even on the SEC network. You're on the U tonight. You're on ESPN2 on Saturday. So, hey, this feels like a different week, even though today is just one of 30 SEC games, which theoretically means they all they all mean exactly the same time. But I don't know about you. This one feels like it's more about one and a half. And we touched on it a little bit yesterday, and we're going to really dive in more to the question of what's Arkansas's rival. We separated it into the three major sports, football, basketball, and baseball. 
And Phil, to me, I think basketball is the most obvious. It's Kentucky. Now, I know you haven't beat them since 2013, and I know it's the rivalry is not what it once was in the 90s, but I think that is the clear rival, even though Kentucky doesn't think of you that way. I think that Arkansas fans view Kentucky as their basketball rival. Now, it was interesting last year when you got to play LSU in that mid, or excuse me, Texas in the midweek series uh, in uh, in Bob Walker, and then this year in um, in Austin. And but you also got to play them in the College World Series. And I was kind of curious how fans, baseball wise, would react to that if it would be the same level as LSU. And I think it was pretty good, pretty stinking close. Now I know it was you got to play them obviously in the College World Series, and that's obviously it doesn't matter who you play. That's going to be a really heightened game, but. For LSU baseball, as you've been, it's not often that when Arkansas plays a team they consider a rival that the other team considers Arkansas rival. And I think we're going to get this question when we talk to Tom Hart. That's one of the questions I've written down is when Arkansas plays LSU in football, as you mentioned, that doesn't feel as much like a two-way rivalry. Phil, Arkansas baseball and LSU baseball, when they meet on the baseball field, that is a two-sided rivalry despite Arkansas not having much success against the Tigers last few years. Well, and part of it is also that in order to have – so that th- I feel like in order to have a rivalry that they want to televise, you got to have a couple of things. One, you got to have – a real rivalry means that one team beats the other. So, I mean, all the, you know, and Arkansas hasn't won a lot of games against LSU, not just over the last, you know, 14 seasons, but all time. I mean, they might have lost 22 of the last 28 to LSU, and that feels like it's quite a stretch – uh, but they're also 32 and 73 all time against LSU, so they're wolf, wolf. losing about 70 percent of their games. Still, 22 out of 28, I think, is worse than losing 70 percent. So it's been magnified and amplified. But it just doesn't make sense that over this stretch of of seven seasons now, where you've made it to two College World Series, uh, how how does that happen? How, how do you end up with with obviously great talent, great coaching? Uh, teams that know how to win games. You know, Rick Schaefer used to point out to me uh, the first three years I was doing doing these broadcasts that, hey, you know, don't put too much stock in the LSU series because that doesn't decide the direction your season goes. And he points out to all all the teams that made it to Omaha without winning a series against LSU, 2009, 2012, 2015, 2018. The last four College World Series entrants for Arkansas did not win at least two out of three against LSU. They swept them in 2004, which happens to be the last time Arkansas won an outright conference championship, uh, but uh, but did not, not, not in any of the last four times that you've been one of the top eight teams in the country. And in a couple of those years, you were either second or third in the country, so... Yes, the the LSU series does not decide the direction your season goes in. So that's why this is still a rivalry. It's not like the Steelers and Browns have been for a long time now, where it's just so completely one-sided that nobody views that as a rival anymore. And I kind of, you're not at that level with Kentucky and Arkansas basketball, but you've been trending in the wrong direction in that sense. Same in, same in, in football with LSU, you know, so... You, you haven't had that on-field success or on-court success against them, but at the same time, you haven't been one of the top eight teams remaining at the end of the season and spoken about as a contender for the national title. In baseball, it's a different sense. So there is the, there is the feeling on the LSU side that, yeah, we've got these guys figured out, but they can still go out and beat us any time just because, really, they've got the sort of talent to win any game that they play. And, and, and then there's the idea that 
that uh, that both of these teams are are always now amongst the national contenders. That's always going to get eyes. You know, you want to see the best teams playing against each other. So I feel like you have a rival here for two two different reasons. They're always contending in the same division. And they usually do have good games. I mean, LSU's been winning more of late, but I mean, they're, they're tight games. They're emotional games. They, 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 you got to bite your fingernails all the way down to the quick. And, and all these things together for me go into this is the best rivalry in Arkansas sports right now. And to kind of bridge off Rick's point, you think about in football how different it is when you lose a game. Look at LSU and Alabama. That's the game LSU football. Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, and that coaching staff have looked forward to every single year, and yet they haven't won that game since 2011 when they beat them on the road 9-6 to in that incredible college football game. But in baseball, as you mentioned, and as Rick brought up to you, you can still lose a series, and that's not going to define your postseason success. Now, as you mentioned, the one time that they swept them back in 2004, and outside the 2011 other time they beat them, that was when you won the regular season conference. So maybe that has the potential if you sweep them this weekend or win, that you could win that title. I don't think it's going to happen because of the way Vanderbilt's been playing and they have an easier schedule down the stretch. But one thing about LSU, Phil, that I think is unique, you don't play Texas every single year in the sport because you're not in the same conference. You hadn't been since the early 90s. And because of that, you've heard the phrase familiarity breeds contempt, right? When you're around someone, you just get agitated. Like, I'm surprised we haven't gotten each other's throats that much yet because... We're around each other every day from about 12 to 2. We have a pretty good rapport so far. But when you're constantly playing the same coach, going against the same fans, playing against the same similar players, that causes a rift. That causes a rivalry. And the good thing about LSU is fans would disagree. Kind of the older listeners that were listening that would say, Texas is still your biggest rival. I think at this point in time, especially on the baseball field, and we're getting there in football, LSU is a melting pot at this point in terms of Arkansas fans that hate the Tigers. Texas, not so much, because my generation, I know because of my grandpa and because of older Hawk fans that have told me about their hatred of Texas, I know what that is like. But I only know it to a certain extent because I did not experience the Razorbacks playing them year after year in their their respective sports. And so that being said, I think the LSU is only that rivalry from Arkansas's point of view, is only going to grow because you continuously play them year after year in Arkansas basketball, football, and baseball. Now, you get them the last two years, Texas, in baseball, and you got them the College World Series. I just don't think it's the same level as LSU because you simply don't see them. You don't know that they're going to be on your schedule every single year. Well, there still is no natural rival for Arkansas inside the SEC, so it's got to be done based upon you know a sport by sport basis, what seems to mean more. And you know in 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 this conference, certainly when you're playing in the divisions that you have in football and in basketball, if you want to say familiarity breeds contempt, well, I mean these play these teams ought to hate each other and hate each other more and more every year because you're playing the same seven teams in football. You're playing the same I mean six teams. You're playing the same six teams in football. Playing the six, same six teams in baseball every single year. So really, I mean, they're all rivals. It's just rivals of a different variety and different, uh, you know, amplification of what that game means. So, I mean, I think, hey, it, everybody in baseball is a rival in this division just because of how good they all are usually. Ole Miss is, a, is, a, is usually a short list of contenders for the College World Series. Mississippi State is now always a contender, it seems, for the national title. And when, with that ballpark they've got, too, and the ability to recruit to that, 
they're, they're going to be there. Same with LSU. Texas A&M is on that list at the same time that Arkansas is. So you're, you're all, I mean, you're all recruiting the same players. You're all trying to outdo each other in baseball stadiums, just like the football, you know, the, the race used to be who had the most seats in every stadium, and that used to be a, a, you know, a thing that mattered. Um, but, but I don't know. There is something about it. I mean, so an Arkansas Ole Miss series is big in baseball. It's very big. And there's emotions that come behind that. They really do recruit the same players. Um, and there's, there's something between the two, the, the coaching staffs as well and the, and the cultures that they engender for their players. There was emotion in that series. And, and Ole Miss has won the last four. But it still doesn't begin to approach the level of anticipation or even meaning from, from, from an LSU series. So it just, it just feels like, like in, in a division filled with hatred and rivals – this one's at the top of the list, and it isn't even close. Let me ask you this. If you look at all three sports, we've already established that Kentucky is Arkansas's basketball rival. LSU is prominently leading the football, not by a lot of Texas, but at this point I think it's leading. And then LSU is clearly Arkansas's baseball rival. I know that the Rebels are locked, obviously, with their in-state school, Mississippi State, but I just feel like that could morph into something just from my perspective, based on the fact that you've had success on them in the football field, you've struggled with them in baseball recent years, and the basketball, not so much. But I think the preppiness that we always like to allude to, and again, it's the pot calling the kettle black for a kid, middle-class white dude that went to a private high school, and I, it's kind of, it just feels like there there's a rivalry that could kind of blossom there. Because I, I know the friends that I have the whole that went to Ole Miss, they don't like Arkansas at all, and I feel like, Arkansas kids, we have a little, it's a fun rivalry because we have friends that are from the Little Rock area that went there, and then there's some Mississippi kids that have gone to Arkansas, and I just feel like there's a potential there. Obviously, you're going to be second fiddle with them having Mississippi State. I just feel like there's potential there for more hatred to grow, especially if Arkansas continues, and I know they lost last year, but let's say they pick it back up and win week two in in, uh, Oxford this year, and then the baseball field, Arkansas continues to struggle. I think that has the potential to grow a little bit. Because I think in the three sports we're talking about, I think Ole Miss fans view Arkansas, obviously not as number one because of Mississippi State, and I guess they consider Alabama a rival because they've gotten lucky last couple years in football. But I think there's potential there for a rivalry to grow because I think Ole Miss fans don't like Arkansas. And that's what the rivalry needs. Again, we talk about this. It has to be a two-sided equation. It can't just be one group of fans that hates the other. The other fans... They don't care about it. They It has to be two ways. If you don't have that, it's not a rivalry, Phil. So you mean you can engender your hatred towards the players on the field, right? Because I'm sure yeah, there are absolutely. plenty of people doing research on players' girlfriends on their social media and and things that they've said politically throughout their their uh, early teenagehood uh, you know, years. So, But then there's also, I mean, one way to really get the rivalry going, if you're talking about for fans back and forth, so how many corn dogs do you think uh, we'll have out here at uh, at Baumwalker Stadium today? I hope a today? lot. I hope you think a there's going to be a lot of placard corn dogs tonight? The best moment to this day is I think Katy Perry was down in Oxford with the College Game Day crew, <laughs> and she's just holding up. And Corso is just wide-eyed like a little kid on Christmas morning watching her with that corn dog. I, I believe she was in Oxford for that game, but... It's just a staple, and I don't know. I I don't know the origin of where it started. I mean, this is coming for a guy that loves corn dogs, but it's I just love, I, can, I can crush a corn dog too. But, I just don't. I don't know if I want to be associated with smelling like one. <laughs> no, it's probably not a stench or a smell that 
you want to be associated with. But it's just it's just kind of a cool funny. And I don't mind LSU fans. Like I have a genuine disdain for Texas fans because I told you, I've told you this before. I went to school with about 60% Texas kids. And a lot of them went to Arkansas because it they could get in easier. They got, I think, 90% of their tuition paid. Texas was their first choice. So it almost looked down at Arkansas. And that really frustrated me. And so what I did is I took those kids and kind of embodied that as the whole state. I know you don't like to lump the whole state of Texas into this, but there's just such an arrogance about that state. They think of it They think of it as its own country, which just annoys the crap out of me. And that's why I think so many older fans, older members of the audience that are listening right now have a genuine hate for not only the Texas Longhorns, but the state of Texas itself. It's funny because, you know, there they're, they're Texans who are proud of Texans, and then there are Texans who, who will always love to point to whatever stipulation or article in their state constitution that says that they can secede from the union and, and <laughs> that they think it's time to do that. They're thinking, okay, I don't think it worked so well the first time around. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, anyway, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't feel like, like you view LSU fans the same way. They're just sort of like the 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 drunk uncle that can get nasty every once in a while if he's had a little bit too much. He's talented. But he's in, he's into what he's doing and he's going to be really friendly up until the point where he tips over at the you know when he goes over the edge he, when he when he go when he's over the cusp as we learned the definition of cusp yesterday. We did, we and did. I'll say this, you know, and I've been to Alex Box Stadium twice uh, for for two series. Arkansas's lost five out of the six games I've seen there, uh, and those are the friendliest people in the world that work at that stadium, that that run the facility, that run the program. I mean, Paul Maneri is as friendly and and sunshiny of a college baseball coach that I've ever seen in my life. Do you think how many college baseball coaches do you usually picture as a, as I usually call them corners of the mouth up people? They're not. You know, even Dave Van Horn, who I think is an optimistic person and is very friendly, he is not a corners of the mouth up kind of a guy. Paul Maneri is. He just always, I think, if, you know, they got they lost 12-1 to 1 the other day, and I think at the, after the game, his post-game interview, he sounds like he's smiling. He's probably pretty pissed off, but he always sounds like he's smiling. He just has that, that air about him, and it fits LSU perfectly because he's a great coach at the same time for a great program with a great fan base, uh, but uh, you can't help but... And here's the other thing about this Arkansas LSU thing. And it, it, there's a little bit of jealousy going on with that. Just a little bit. They have the six national titles. They have been the top draw in college baseball statistically. And I think some Arkansas fans say, okay, we'll show you paid attendance numbers and actual attendance numbers. But, I mean, they, the LSU can always point to the idea that, yes, they've led college baseball in attendance for like 15 straight years. Um and I, 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 there, somebody has to be out there to admit it a little bit. I'm not saying that that's what it's about for the players or that's what it's about for the coaches, but for the fan bases, I th- there's got to be a little bit of the jealousy going on with that. And I can't blame you for feeling that if you do. So there's also the rivalry of wanting to attain what the other has attained half a dozen times that you felt you were so close to last year. So... That's also part of it. But, hey, a series win against LSU this weekend does not win you a national title. 
It just gets you a step towards a division title, which gets you a national seed, which gets you nothing but home games, which for this program should get you to Omaha. And then, maybe then, you can worry about the national title. And there's two more programs we got to touch on or people are going to get mad. Missouri, it's just not a rivalry. It doesn't matter what the SEC tries to do. It's not a rivalry in basketball. It's not a rivalry in football. It's not a rivalry in baseball. It had that little pocket of hope when Frank Haith and Mike Anderson were going at it early on, but it's just not. They don't and they want it to be as much as possible. It's it would be a natural rivalry for Arkansas. You're just not going to get Arkansas fans, coaches and players to buy in saying Arkansas is a rival. And the other one, it's the community college up in Jonesboro that Andy Hodges likes to refer to it as until they're not a rivalry because they don't play. They don't play on the gridiron. They don't who play has on the ever referred? Who has ever referred to these to Arkansas State and Arkansas as rivals? Uh, you'd be surprised at some of the if people. If for nothing other than students, uh, that's that's more more of a point. In Arkansas, I don't think at any point in time you would say Arkansas an Arkansas fan has referred to Arkansas State as a rival. But I know Arkansas State because I've talked to them, I've talked to fans, not as not so much players and coaches, but they have referred to Arkansas as a rival simply because they won't play them. But, Phil, the definition of a rival is when you compete in something, and they simply won't do that. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I know we had a little debate on that the other day, but hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon. Still, for me, the biggest rival in sports overall for Arkansas is is LSU, but it's just funny how when, when, when A&M and, and Missouri joined the SEC, how... You know, now Arkansas and Missouri are supposed to be rivals, and LSU and Texas A&M are also kind of supposed to be rivals as well. But now they have a reason to feel that with the the movement of Scott Woodard, the new athletic director, leaving from A&M over to LSU. I felt like that that helped a little bit with the Missouri Arkansas thing because of Mike Anderson, you know, jettisoning out of Columbia for mm-hmm. Arkansas. But they didn't sell the basketball end of that as the rivalry. It, was, it sold as a football rivalry. But you can't, yeah, you couldn't do it at that point. I know the Kentucky thing, and with kind of the, and we didn't really mention A&M, but that's another one you think about a program you hadn't beat since 2011. You had the Johnny Manziel, like just kind of charade where he pee a lot of people. I love Johnny Manziel. Johnny football is one of my favorite athletes that I've ever gotten to watch. But his personality, his antics on and off the field, Caused a lot of Arkansas fans to uh, not like him. And when you lose to a team like Arkansas has over years, that's going to increase the rivalry between two schools. And that's why Arkansas fans consider Texas A&M not the top rival, but probably one of the top four. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter, at Phil Elson PXP and at Ty Sports Radio. And it's Joe Adams with a hurdle. Great speed. Adams down the wow. sideline. He's gone. 92 yards for a touchdown. A little, uh, little drizzle as I was making my way up in, into Fayetteville to get the equipment set up and get set for the show and all of that. But uh, it is, uh, well, I wouldn't say it's clearing up right now. I think it's going to be pretty overcast tonight. Chance of rain on Saturday. Hopefully that'll hold off. We need to play three nine-inning games in three days. That's what I'm hoping for. You know, And I don't like these seven-inning games that you have to play on a doubleheader on getaway day. Uh, so it'd be better if you had to play two to do it on, on Friday, obviously. But I just, I don't know. I feel like Arkansas LSU should be three days, three games, all nine innings, and hopefully at least two Arkansas wins. So Tommy asked that question on the morning rush. They would still have to play two seven-inning games, even though 
the games, no game is scheduled for Sunday. They couldn't just push it back a day. That's not in the SEC. That's a right. Yeah. Now you're given, you're essentially given a window of three days to complete three games. Okay. And you are not, you may not take uh, an extra day, no matter what. Even if classes are done, I think LSU's done with classes. Uh, Arkansas players are wrapping up their finals. Uh, Didn't Jack Kenley tell us he's got a final exam today? Before the start of the series? Yeah, how about that tryhard coming on the show and still studying? Well, I say that. I, I did all sorts of things during my finals week. Didn't exactly put a lot of effort into studying. I don't know what his major is. I just know my major. I didn't have to put maximum effort into when it came to my coursework. Yeah, so you can't you can't take that series to a Sunday no matter what. So that that's why you would have to do two sevens on Saturday. But that's not going to happen. I mean, if anything... And I don't think they're worried about it right now, but if anything, you would take Saturday's game and move it to Friday and, and play two nine-inning games on Friday. But again, I, I I don't know if that's what they're looking at or if that's what they're thinking. I wouldn't even ask Dave Van Horn that. Sometimes he just offers this information up before we even start talking about the game at hand. So I'll let him let me know if they're thinking about it. I'm but, not going to bring it up. So that's a, that's what it's, we like it's to like call the, well, it's just like the question about asking asking a head coach if he's looking ahead at the standings. Because yeah. you know the answer you're going to get. And it's the same answer Dave is giving to everybody for the last week to two weeks. He gave me the same answer when I asked about you know the importance of the division race two weeks ago and how that fits into the whole structure of you know being a national seed and having a chance to play home games and how that for Arkansas, probably more than a lot of other teams because of a home field advantage, you know, gets it closer to Omaha. He didn't want to have anything to talk about that. It's just, you know, we'll just take care of what's ahead of us. It's the next game. It's the next opponent. And take it from there. You know what? Arkansas is in the position where they don't have to care about what anybody else is doing. That's the luxury of being in first place. That's the luxury of being chased. You don't have to scoreboard watch as long as you win your games. I'll guarantee you, Dave Van Horn is looking at the scores. Once, once he's off the field, once the game is done, He's got a cell phone. He's got an iPhone. He uses it. He's got ESPN on that thing. He'll watch a game. He'll be checking those scores. It's just not going to set the tone of the day for them because what they do on the field is the more important thing. You know how Nolan used to say he didn't really not look at a lot and dissect what his opponents does because if they did what they needed to do on the basketball court, then they were going to win the basketball game. It's kind of You can kind of tie that into Dave Van Horn and his baseball team. If they win, it doesn't really matter what anyone else does because they're going to be just fine. And that's just that's not just him. That's coaches in general. Coaches aren't ever going to tell you they're looking ahead or they're looking at what other teams are doing. That is the most universal coach speak in general. But I'll say this, and just kind of like you've talked about earlier this week, no Arkansas player or coach is going to come out and say this series is more significant than just trying to get a series win. But if they beat LSU this week, you know in Dave's mind, especially since he's over 10 in rubber matches, one and nine in postseason, and has a disastrous record against Paul Maneri and LSU while at Arkansas. You know, a series win means a lot more than him than just another series win against an SEC ball club. Yeah, I mean, if you go three and three, though, if you go three and three, the teams that are chasing you, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, have to go five and one in order to tie you. So, I mean, you're you're really in a great position. Again, just handle your own business, and and life will be just fine. Just you'll, dandy. You'll mo- just dandy. That's right. You'll move along. Just fine. And that sounds a little bit like the artist that you had me listen to uh, for our halftime homework. So let's get into it. 
Trust this kid any further than I can throw him. I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Get out of my class. Out, get out. I was still thinking of going back to school. I do my homework now. The Millennial versus the Middle-Aged. It's time for Halftime Homework. So I got to tell you, I really like the the artist that you assigned me today uh, for that I listened to on the drive up this morning. From Little Rock to Fayetteville, uh, and and I guess I'm surprised because I am not a country fan, and it's not that I I hate all country music. I just never really got into it very much. Uh, but I really got to tell you, I've, I enjoyed the album and a half that I've listened to of Casey Musgrave. Wow, she's album a, and a half. She's got a tremendous voice, really a lovely voice. Uh, it's smooth. Uh, it's uh, and I think she's a terrific lyricist. As long as she's the one who's writing the lyrics and she's the lyricist, then that really that'll that'll suck me in even further. I, I like the messages that I heard on on the album uh, pageant material, which was the whole album I listened to. That's from 2015. Uh, I know she really hit the scene in 2013 with same trailer, different park, and I made it about halfway through that. Uh, I miss you is a great song. Merry go round a fantastic song. Uh, but I really loved all of pageant material. I thought this was a terrific, a terrific album. So is she is she one of the is she one of the country artists that is taken seriously? Because to me, she sounds like she should be. Her her lyrics have substance to them. She's not singing all about bubble gum and and uh, and and drinking. You know, essentially, I mean, how many of the country songs come down to the same five things: trucks, beer, moonlight. Women in jeans, but you could—I mean, you could say the same thing about rap. You could say the same. I feel like that's just music in general that it comes down in, to, in just some cases. Ways. But it seems to, for for the lyrics that I heard from from Casey Musgraves, it just felt like there was substance to it, and it was enjoyable to listen to. And that's that's aside from the idea that I mean, she's got a fabulous voice, really a, a beautiful voice, and that this is somebody that I I, I think I could follow. I think she's pretty well liked in the industry, not only in the country music industry, but just the music industry in general. And I can't speak to just like in volumes of that because I don't pay attention to it that closely. But based on the different celebrities that have spoken about her and the different just kind of perception you get, I think she's well liked. And I and she's really enjoyable. I had a buddy who got a chance to attend the CMA, like all not front row, but he was like 10 rows off the stage. And he said like to the she just sounded like an angel. He was like, that was the most incredible live music performance I've ever been to. And so based on that, and I didn't, I didn't even, I had listened to her, I think, but I, I started listening to her a little more last year. And then I've listened to her a few of her stuff this year. I, I just think she's really good. And she's, I mean, it doesn't hurt that she's breathtakingly beautiful. That, that never hurts anything. So her, her uh, lyric from pageant material, I got a big kick. I know there was a lot of lyrics of hers that I really like, but I ain't pageant material. The only crown is in my glass. <laughs> they won't be handing me a sash, and that's okay because there's no way you'll ever see me in a swimsuit on a stage. And it, I don't know. I just got a, I, I just I painted a good picture, you know, of uh, of uh, of somebody that sounds like they're just proud of exactly who they are and and not going to change and. I don't know. I think it was a good assignment. You assigned me. You assigned me a really good artist. And again, it's somebody that, uh, like, I, I thought Thomas Rhett was okay. I'm not going to be following Thomas Rhett's career, but I think Casey Musgraves is somebody that I could follow. Get one of your boys to make one of her songs his opening, his uh, his walk up song. His walk up song. <laughs> ask ask uh, ask one of the guys. Hey, say, hey, man, I just started listening to Casey Musgraves. I think you should change your walk up song to one of hers. See how that goes over. We'll see. 
All um, right, we'll sell, I'll ask him about four hours during batting practice. Why not? <laughs> Phil, I, I'm a little disappointed in myself. And genuinely, for the most part, I think you've hit about 75% of the movie and food and music assignments that you've given me in homework. I was just not attached to George Michael and Lamb. There was very few songs that I listened to, and I listened to a good portion of them. But I just... I don't know. I it it just didn't it didn't you know how we always talk about what holds up or not with my generation from your generation. This to me just it didn't hold up. I like wake me up before you go go. I'd heard that song before. Yeah, and that's so that, a t- that's a timeless party yeah, song. That's a pretty a pretty dis. And if I told you with Whitney Houston, I love Whitney Houston, so that was good to me. But I don't know, man. It just. And I feel like I'm hurting your feelings because especially since you like my artist and now I have to tell you that I want a huge fan of yours. No, no. See, a lot of the stuff with Wham, I feel, didn't necessarily hold up. And I forget if Careless Whisper was Wham or George Michael because, I mean, he separated himself yeah. from and, and then turned into an even bigger star. So did you listen to the album Faith? Because that's the album where he just... That, to me, was one of the great albums of the 80s and maybe one of the great albums of all time. Did you listen to more Wham! or more George Michael? I listen to both. All those songs are I have listed there. You can look at them and see. If, and I don't know the album Faith, if there's any particular song that I need to listen to from you the mean, album. The entire thing. I don't want, I mean, I don't want to assign extra credit for something that I already assigned, but... <laughs> If you're gonna, if you listen to Wham, that's one thing. A lot of the stuff from Wham doesn't hold up. I'm your man. I don't know if it holds up very well. Freedom, yeah. I agree that doesn't necessarily hold up so well. Uh, but 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 when George Michael separated and went and became a solo star, the album Faith I think holds up. The song Faith holds up. Father Figure uh, holds up. I want your sex is weird, but it it I don't know if Yeesh. I'd say it holds up. One more try without question holds up. Um, and and Kissing a Fool, too. So, I mean, I, th- I don't know if you listen to the right George Michael. I'll tell you what. On my car ride up to Fayetteville tomorrow, because I'm going to be making my way up to the game, I will listen to that album, Faith. I'll just pull up on Spotify, and we'll go from there. And then I'll, I'll let you know, because I'll see you tomorrow night, and I'll let you know what I thought. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. So you get a little, ec- a little extra... Uh, a little extra time to finish your assignment, I guess is there. Teach gave you some extra time. Extra time, extra time. All right, man, I got a movie assignment for you this week. You mentioned the Holland Notes stuff, and the yes, first. Yes, and em- you've been you've been using it for our intros. Well done. Yeah, and it's been enjoyable. And I told you the first time I heard about Holland Notes was she's out of my league. So that's your next movie assignment. Half a point because he's a nice guy, right? And he's funny. So that's half a point each. That brings him to six. That was right. But he drives. Box, you have to deduct a point. So we're back to a five. Five. <clears throat> Meanwhile, this Molly is a hard ten. And that five point disparity, that is a chasm. Chasm? Chasm. And you can't jump more than two points. Guys, I think this system's ridiculous. Alright? If someone really loves you, then you are a ten. Are you Hannah Montana? Because nothing you're saying right now is of any help to Kirk. Phil, you know how I talked about a couple weeks ago when you were going to watch Everybody Wants Some? I had 100% confidence that you would enjoy that movie because it was And you so, were right. It was highly enjoyable. Yeah, it wasn't the level of Dazed and Confused, but it was like the secondary, my generation version. It had baseball orchestrated within the movie, so I knew you would like that. I don't know if I'm at to that level of confidence that you'll like this movie, but Phil, you're going to like this movie. The premise is this guy, Kirk, who's in TSA, this beautiful girl who's played by Alice Eve leaves her phone in the airport they end up connecting go on a few dates and they end up falling in love with each other 
and her his friends like the entire time are telling him it's not going to work. It's just a really funny movie. And it's a little raunchy. It's got some words. It's got some jokes that I know you'll enjoy. The Hall and Oates. But they have a Hall and Oates band. Yeah. I mean, they have a Hall and Oates. This is, this is the whole reason why you think I'm going to like this movie is because they do. They have a Hall and Oates cover band. So this guy, his best friend Stainer, and I'll let you watch the movie so you know where he gets his nickname from. He is in a Hall and Oates cover band. And they play during the movie. It's pretty funny. I just think you're going to enjoy it. So that's why I'm assigning you for your next homework assignment. Which is the movie with the Neil Diamond cover band? Neil Diamond. Am I gonna have to Jerish? Is that before my time? No, no, no. That's from that's from Neil that's Diamond. like fifteen or sixteen years ago. I feel like I should be pressing the generational gap button uh, for you. Neil Diamond. Uh, we'll look, we'll uh, look that. Are you talking about the what we just like the, the late nineties movie that we love? No, 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 no. This 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 is from I, I swear this is from like fifteen Neil years ago. Diamond. Someone help us on Twitter at hit that line AR at Phil Ellison PXBX Tie Sports Radio. What it's Neil? from Saving Silverman. Okay, I don't know from what two thousand one. Generational gap. I don't know what that's that from two thousand one for crying out loud. You've <laughs> yeah. assigned me things from like nineteen ninety nine. I guess break. I guess that's not fair. But yeah, so I, I just think you're gonna enjoy this movie. Again, not to maybe the level of everybody wants some, but I think you're gonna like this movie. Okay, well then I'll uh, I'll I'll look it up. She's out of my league. Uh, all right, so here here's uh, I got a couple of assignments for you uh, for this week. And by but by, by the way, you did assign me some food which I'd forgotten about. Mamica, mamica, that's what it was. Yeah, and I don't know where to get it in Fayette. You said that there's a place in Fayetteville that that sells mamica, which apparently is like a bunch of fruit cut up on on something else. I guess you could get some before the game today. It's not. I'm not kidding, Phil. It's half a mile from your apartment, if that. Just type in mamica, M A M A K A. I think on your phone, and there's a place right by you. If you really wanted to, since we're both getting extra credit at this point for extra credit by not actually doing our homework assignment and then doing it late, we're getting extra time. Is probably the better phrase, but that, or I'll give you a different assignment, and that's after Arkansas wins the series this weekend, you celebrate with the Natter Day since you haven't. Which had I still, one yet. I still haven't had a Natter Day yet, so I'm going to have to get on the uh, the lovely strawberry flavored uh, Natty Light. Uh, so, all right, when they win the series, I'll do it. All right, whether it's after the second game of the series or after the third game, either we'll, way, we'll, we'll pinky swear on this. Do okay. we do pinky swears? That's fine. Let's do it through the camera right now. All right, we're good. Cool. Very good. All right. We basically just flipped each other off. So yeah. that was a, that was the pinky swear. All right. So your assignment, one, your first assignment is to... Now, I, I feel like you've probably heard this song before. I mean, it's pretty popular on radio, and I'm not even talking music radio. You know this song? Let's, let's get in the chorus and see if... No, a lot of people right now think they're listening to Rush Limbaugh because this is Rush Limbaugh's intro. Is music. it open? Okay. But I, it's too bad that we think of Rush Limbaugh when we're thinking of this song, and we're not thinking about Chrissy Hind, who wrote it and sings it for the Pretenders, which is, I think, an underrated all-time great rock band that's in the that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I went back to Ohio. So I gotta I love be honest. her voice. Love I, her voice. I like this. It's just not familiar to me. I thought it was at first, just because I feel like a lot of rock songs at first sound the same, but. She, she's got a voice unlike anybody's. And it's not. It, it's more of a lower pitched sound, but it is as smooth as silk. And she was a rock and roll journalist who turned.
turned into a star. That's quite a uh, career switch. Wow. So this, this is called My City Was Gone. We'll go with that one. Okay. And, and then this one, this one's on my running mix. This is a great running song. I know, you're, I know today's bike day for you, so maybe you might get on this one. This is called Middle of the Road. Great beat. Middle of the road. He's trying to find me. You know, you don't get like the soaring high notes from Chrissy Hine, but you get smooth, great lyrics. And just a fun voice. The songs are always fun to listen to. So I'm assigning you the Pretenders. Listen to okay. three Pretenders songs. Tell me what you think. So I don't even have to wait till my drive up to Fayetteville tomorrow because I'll just be on the bike for an hour, about 18 miles. So I'll just pop in The Faith by uh, George Michael and then this pretend. Is there a particular album that I need to listen to from the Pretenders, Phil? Or is it just every song they have? No, I, w- I would say those two at least. Middle of the road and 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 my city was gone. And then there's another one called Back on the Chain Gang. Sweet. All right, man. Got them down. All right. All right. So then there's a sports thing for you to take a look up here. I- I'm giving you a reading assignment. I need you to read up on a super prospect pitcher signed by the New York Mets in 1985. His name is Sid Finch. S-I-D-D-F-I-N-C-H. Sid Finch. And tell me what you found out about. Is there one? Is it one of your buddies, or is there going to be a connection to you or something? Nope. I'm just let. I just want to see what you find out about Sid Finch. Okay. Who, who I don't know if he ever made it to a big league game, but he was a super prospect for the Mets in 1985. Sid so Finch. So there you go. All right. So I'm I'm listening to the Pretender. I'm listening to. Um, I'm watching. She's out of my league. I'm going to drink a Natterday if Arkansas wins two out of three at least. And you are reading up on Sid Finch and listening to the Pretender. Sound like a sound like an assignment? Sounds like a plan. I got one more bonus assignment for us both. And when I put this on the rundown, you added something that I hadn't heard. But for those who haven't heard about the Cubs fan that was kicked out of the Cubs of Wrigley Field for life for what and I don't know his motives. I can't hundred percent say this, but apparently the what I like to call the ball gazer sign, is that the game that I played since I was in middle school? Where you get to hit someone if they look down when you have the the three fingers up in the circle. What's it? You you called it hot hands back in the day. What is that? Hot hands. That's there were two different versions of hot hands. Okay. And hot hands were uh, with the with the version I played was the more painful way. And there was a version of it was like the knuckle fight, the knuckle uh, the knuckle flicking fight in in the baseball movie you had me watch. Yeah. Where you put your so you put your hands together out in front of you. Your opponent stands across from you with his or her hands behind his back. And the object is to slap the living heck out of the other person's hands before they can move out of the way. And every time you hit, you get a chance to hit again. So it's it's like there's the other version which you put you you put your hands palm side up, and the other person puts their hands palm side down on your hands. Okay, I played that. Gonna, yeah, you can slap, but there's that doesn't lead to enough pain apparently because when I was a kid, we played the version that inflicted as much pain as possible, especially if you were really quicker than your opponent. There's also two parts of the the ball gazer game. We would play that you get two hits on the arm, but when it got really intense, when it really heightened, I think in seventh and eighth grade, you actually got to hit the other person in their 
private spot and then we were after that after that started escalating the uh the teachers and the administration had to crack down and we were no longer allowed to play so that that sign to me has never meant white supremacy but this day and age who knows man like the halftime pod check out the bud light morning rush podcast at hitthatline.com.